right, everybody, welcome to another Thursday edition of Hearts Home Half, hosted by yours truly, Austin Hart. So obviously, before we get into the day today, you can find at Hearts Home Half, the podcast on social media and Instagram and Twitter. I post uh, updates about each episode on both of those platforms on Mondays and Thursdays, and I try to be as active as possible on both as well. So any follows, any support on either of those platforms, you know I always greatly appreciate that. But now, let's get into our day today, and we got a few different topics we're going to be talking about. A quick update on the Florida Gators' run to the College World Series, and sadly, it's not much of a run anymore. (laughs) It came to an end uh, this past week, and we'll discuss how the rest of that Game 7 went. The Lightning, though... They have evened things up in their series in the Eastern Conference Finals. They're headed back to Madison Square Garden tonight for Game 5. So we will recap how Game 4 went and where we are right now in the series. And uh, we're going to talk some baseball because pretty much for the next couple months, the MLB is going to become our best friend. We're going to be doing a lot of Rays and a lot of Marlins talk. As these guys are knee-deep into the season, they're chasing glory. The All-Star break is just about a month away. Um, so, you know, we're going to continue to get prepared as these teams roll toward the postseason and we're going to analyze them all the way through. So let me start out with that Gators update that I told you about. And again, unfortunately, as I was discussing the Gators last pod, they had a chance to advance to the Super Regionals playing their final winner take all game against the Oklahoma Sooners. I think it was Monday. Yeah, it was Monday. Yeah, because it was the day I did the pod. And uh, unfortunately, as we were recording, they were in a weather delay. So they came back from that weather delay. God, it seemed like five, six hours later. They they had a ton of rain in Gainesville. But finally, they came back ready to play the Sooners. But I think the tough thing was Brandon Neely, who started on the mound for the Gators, he was grooving on the mound. And they had to replace him with Ryan Slater, an arm out of the bullpen when play resumed. It was just going to be too tough to have to throw Brandon Neely out there when he already came out on short rest to start this game. And unfortunately, it was almost noticed immediately that Ryan Slater just didn't have it that night. He had a clean first inning, and the Gators were able to add another run in the bottom half of their inning. They made it a 3-1 lead going into the eighth, but Ryan Slater in the top of the eighth inning gave up four runs, gave the Sooners a two-run lead, and me, I'm kind of sitting here wonder, watching this game, wondering why Kevin O'Sullivan, the head coach of the Florida Gators, why he doesn't make the move to pull him, especially when he has Nick Ficarota in the bullpen. He's been very good this season, even better in the regionals. I mean, he's ready to go, and he's been warming up. I don't understand why he's not bringing him into a situation like that when you can see the Slater's walking guys, he's giving up hits, he's not as sharp as he normally is. And again, this is a this is a win or go home game. I mean, this is this is a big situation right here. You don't win this game, season's over. And it is because they ended up losing this game. But, you know, you're able to win, you advance, you go to super regionals. And I think that's an opportunity where you have to bring in a pitcher like Nick Ficarota, who's who's probably ready for that situation anyway. And unfortunately, Sully just didn't make that move. Four runs come in that inning. Sooners go up 5-3, to three and you know, good for Wyatt Langford. He was able to blast a solo shot in the bottom of the ninth and bring the Gators within one. It was 5-4 to four in the ninth inning. 
and Wyatt Langford even tied the single-season school home run record with Matt Laporta back in, I think, 2004, 2005, with 26 home runs in a season. But again, it just wasn't enough. Gators fell 5-4. to four. Sooners, they're going to Super Regionals now, and the Gators' season has come to an end. So now officially... The Gators, the Seminoles, and the Miami Hurricanes are all out of contention for this year's College World Series. Very unfortunate news, but great season, though, by the Gators this season. Um, You know, there's a lot to look forward to. A fantastic freshman class, honestly, from this Gators team. So, really, there's going to be a lot, I think, for this team to really build off of, hopefully, going into next year and trying to overcome some uh, pitching injuries that really get the best of them this year as well. All right, so let's switch gears a little bit, and now let's talk lightning hockey because, boy, oh, boy, the series is right back to even. And, man, it just felt like a couple days ago we were not feeling so good. Rangers were up 2-0 in the series, winning both games of the Garden. But, man, it's been an absolute thrill right now because the Bolts have won their past two games at home. They won their second game at home of the series on Tuesday night, They evened it up at two games apiece, and from here, it's a best-of-three-game series, and it starts with Game 5 tonight, starting at 8 o'clock back in Madison Square Garden. But before that, let's recap Game 4. One of the best things to see in this game right off the bat is the energy from the Lightning. I mean, it was palpable. It was in the building. It was flowing through the team. I mean, the Bolts came out with intensity, with quickness, They just seem to improve even more off of their Game 3 win and maybe using some of that momentum, perhaps. The urgency level is just much higher. Their giveaway rate continued to be much lower than it was the first two games they played in the Garden. And Andre Vasilevsky has continued to improve his play yet again. He had 34 saves on the night. And the Big Cat, oh yeah, the Big Cat, 34 saves on the night on 35 shots. I mean, great, great night for him. A 971 save percentage. I mean, I think Tampa fans really had a sigh of relief watching him play as well as he did. And for the offense to kind of come alive in front of him as well. I mean, Pat Maroon, the big rig, he opened the game up real quick with a goal at 2 minutes and 38 seconds into the game off of a great rebound chance. And in the second period, the lead was extended to 2-0. Andre Plot fished a beautiful center ice pass to Kucherov. Slid right in between the defense and pretty much scored on a semi-breakaway chance. But 2-0 from there, but who else but Steven Stamkos? He's going to lengthen the lead in the third period. 3-0. He's been really, really good so far this playoff. these playoffs. Scoring goals, assisting, being there on the power play. He's been a great presence, and it's been so nice that he's stayed healthy. Obviously, knock on wood, you know, we want him to stay healthy. It's He's a guy that's dealt with a lot of problems in previous years, you know, related to injury. But if he can just continue to stay as healthy as he is, he's performing at a high level. At such a late point in his career as well with the Lightning, I love what he's able to do. And then an empty netter, 4-1 to seal the game. Andre Palat gets it at the end of the game. Andre Palat gets yet another goal. It seems like this guy's been all over the ice as well, and I've been loving what he does in the playoffs for the Lightning. Seems like he's one of the most clutch playoff performers for the Bolts. So very, very big piece to this team. And again, like I said, I, I just really, really love the way that this team is playing right now. They need to keep this momentum. The energy level for this team needs to be through the roof in MSG because the Rangers are going to be coming at 
the Bolts full force. The Rangers are 8-0 so far at home. They obviously play way better in the Garden, but I think that these past couple games at home for the Bolts, getting wins over Igor Shosturkin, getting some nice goals by him that could maybe rattle his confidence, I think they just need to keep putting pressure on him, like I discussed last pod, pepper this guy with shots, and eventually some will find their way in the net. I think it also continues to be a really interesting story for the Bolts and for fans. Seeing this team rally and play the way that they are without their star star forward, Braden Point. I mean, he's been out through the entirety of the Panthers series and through the entirety of this series so, so far as well. He's been seen skating around at practices, which is, I guess, an encouraging sign. But it just still remains so unclear as to whether he could return at any point in these playoffs. The NHL, there's very, they're very hush-hush on injuries and the severity of them and what kind of injuries they are. So we're not too up-to-date on what Braden Point's going to be looking like or if he's going to be able to even participate in this series or possibly the final if the Lightning make it there. But, I mean, yeah, I, there's, there's nothing we can do about that, really. You just got to hope that his health gets a little bit better. But Game 5 tonight, going to start off at 8 o'clock in New York, gonna be a really, really big game if the Lightning can get this win and take it back home for Game Six. They would have the chance to close out and hopefully punch a ticket to the Stanley Cup Final. But Game Five tonight at eight, gonna be very, very hyped tonight. Gonna be a really, really great game. All right, so now let's switch back to baseball. But now we'll go back to the pros. We'll talk about the Rays and the Marlins. Like I said in the beginning of the podcast, going into the summer baseball, it's going to, be, going to become our best friend for a while. The Marlins, the Rays, they're really deep into their seasons, and we're going to be just following them as they continue to chase their postseason runs because both of these teams, I definitely think, have very legitimate shots at making it into the postseason, and who knows, maybe going even further than any one of us would expect. And today, I'm going to just go over three general things for each team that I think are interesting about the season so far as we're kind of getting into June baseball right now. And I'll start off talking about the Rays. The first thing is I think the I think how much Wander and Brandon Lau contribute to the lineup uh, is very underrated right now because the difference without having both of these guys in the lineup since they're both injured um, they're both spending time away from the team because they haven't, you know, been able to be in the lineup or play. You know, the, just the, the lineup just looks like it's weaker. It just looks like it's younger. It looks like it's more inexperienced. And it just looks less powerful, I think, as well. I mean, Wander's one of those guys, he looks like one of the biggest dudes in the clubhouse. So when he gets up to the plate, he's a very intimidating figure, and he can hit from both the left and the right side. He's been incredible so far this season. Then you have Brandon Lau, a very, very big power threat in the Rays lineup, and he hasn't been present there for most of the season. So it's really tough when the Rays are having to depend on other power bats that aren't coming through as much as Brandon Lau or as consistently as Wander has been, at least, uh, you know, in the beginning of this season. The second thing I think that stands out is how poor the defense has been for the Rays, which is pretty uncharacteristic for this team they don't make a lot of errors they're normally pretty clean in the field and defense is honestly one of their calling cards right behind pitching but this year they have allowed the fourth most unearned runs this season and they've made the 10th most errors in the league I mean they just are not looking too well I mean especially in late game scenarios 
it's almost as if like the Rays are trying to give away certain games with some of the errors that they're making in the field. Again, very uncharacteristic of this team that you've seen just make incredible defensive plays before, but just has not been up to that standard this year as it has been in previous years. Third thing, though, about the Rays, and this is a definitely, I think, a positive for this team, Shane McClanahan's rise in the ranks in, I think, top pitchers not only in the American League, but in, in all of the majors. I mean, he's among the majors best in ERA, that's earned run average, strikeouts, whip, that's walks and hits per inning pitched, strikeouts per nine innings, and hits per nine innings. I mean, Shane McClanahan has been looking really, really good on the mound. And again, knock on wood, I want his performance to keep up. I mean, I have this dude on my fantasy team, so obviously I have a lot of stake in him. But Shane, I mean, he's just been a great, great progression piece for the Rays so far this year. I think probably one of the brightest spots that you can point to outside of Wander Franco because of how much he's developed from last year. A great Tampa prospect from USF. We were so, so excited to have him in the rotation. He's a filthy left-hander, and he's got amazing stuff. And it's just so great to see that his stuff is maturing a lot more this year. And I think at a little bit quicker of a rate than the Rays were anticipating. Um, but it's a very, very good sign because having guys like Tyler Glass now out for the season and Shane Boz being out for the beginning of the season... It's crucial to have a guy like this that can be your your rock, your ace in the rotation, and he's been that so far. So really, really hope that he'll be able to keep that up moving forward through the season. All right, let's talk Marlins baseball now and the three things about their season that I've, I've kind of been enamored with. The first one is their knack for one-run games, and I they, they kind of need to turn it around. The Marlins are 8-15 and so far this year in one-run games, and they have played more one-run games than anybody else in the majors. I mean, it's incredible how many of their games they're either winning in a walk-off, they're getting beat by a walk-off, they're, you know, one run away and they just can't claw that last run across and send it to extras, it's, or, you know, they're barely winning by the skin of their teeth. There's just a lot of different situations, and unfortunately... The Marlins kind of haven't been on the winning side of a lot of those games. And, you know, these are the games where I think you you have to be able to swing that pendulum your side more often than not. Again, one-run games in baseball, I mean, that's like one swing of the bat. Nobody could be on base, but if somebody's up at the plate and they can hit a home run, that solo home run ties the game, takes a lead if you're tied, you know. That one swing of the bat can change the game there. So I think it's one of those instances where... One-run games, you have to look at those as way, way bigger of an opportunities for you to be able to pounce in late innings and get late wins and be on the other side of those because it's definitely going to hurt you later in the season if you're losing all these one-run games, especially against teams that you know are going to keep it close against you for most of the games that you're going to play against them. Second thing about the Marlins, I really love their rotation. They, they, they have the rise of what could be a filthy starting rotation. I mean, Sandy Alcantara, the ace, he's already phenomenal with his his strikeout performance, his age at 26 being so young and so phenomenal and so refined. It seems like he's a veteran already. Pablo Lopez has had an amazing year this year. His ERA is, I mean, lower than the floor. It's crazy. Edward Cabrera has looked fantastic for the Marlins in a couple outings. Very young dude but looks like ace-quality material. 
Uh, Trevor Rogers has been steadily improving a little bit this season. And Jesus Lozardo, he's been a great pickup from the Athletics. He's dealt with injury a little bit, and he's going to be a big weapon when he comes back. But, man, that rotation just looks absolutely solid when all those guys are on, healthy, and clicking together. Man, it could be really, really dangerous for opposing lineups to have to go against this starting rotation. Really, the big thing is that the Marlins are able to provide that run support for these pitchers because they're keeping the ERAs low, they're keeping the strikeouts high, but the offense just needs to make sure they're producing behind their arms. And the third thing, talked about this a little bit before, but I'll go a little bit more into it again. Jazz Chisholm isn't playing every day for the Marlins, and this needs to change. This guy, we talk about him so much, but he's such an electric type of player. No, he's not a switch hitter, and he only hits left-handed, and that kind of creates a problem for some managers, especially, you know, Don Mattingly being the manager of the Marlins. He's very into the matchups and the analytics and this and that, and what's going to give my hitter the best chance to get a hit and succeed at the plate and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, if there's a left-handed pitcher, he doesn't want to put Jazz out there because he thinks it's a bad matchup, but he'll put him out there for right-handed pitchers because it's a good matchup. But for me, I think Jazz is one of those players, he's got to be out there for every single game. He changes the game for this team. He brings the energy. He brings the life. He brings the juice. I mean, the fans love watching him play. This guy is worth the price of admission. That's probably why the majority of Marlins fans are going to going to those games, is to watch Jazz Chisholm play. It's almost the same thing with the Rays. One of the biggest reasons everybody goes to Rays games now is to watch Wander Franco play. That is, that's like the draw of the team. You know, it's this exciting young talent. He's phenomenal at the plate. He's phenomenal in the field. He's he's got otherworldly type of skills, but yet he's just in a situation where he's not playing every day. And I just think that needs to change because I think his production for this team could rise immensely. I think the success of this team could rise immensely. There's a lot, I think, positively that could happen if Jazz is just able to play every day. Obviously, you know, you give him rest days here and there, but this needs to be a guy that no matter what type of pitching matchup is going on on the mound, he needs to be a guy in the lineup because no matter what, he is a difference maker. I wholeheartedly believe that. So, uh, yeah, I think that's that's going to wrap it up for the Rays, then the Marlins, and our baseball talk today. And that's pretty much going to wrap it up for our pod today. We had some great baseball and some great hockey talk today. Um, but, man, I'm, I'm just so, so amped up to be watching Game 5 tonight. The Lightning, they have really juiced me up with this series, coming back those two games and tying it up. It's going to be a really, really big night tonight. So thank you, everybody, who's tuned into this episode of the pod on Thursday. I am Austin Hart, your host. Thank you so much again, and I will see you on the next episode of Hart's Home Half next Monday. See you.